Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. The latest numbers from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention show suicide numbers increased after a short period of decline, and the per capita rate of suicide for Native people showed the highest increase of any other group. The causes and treatments are complex, but new treatment options are making a difference. It's Suicide Awareness Month, and we're taking time to look at some of the new resources and methods for reversing the troubling statistics for Native Americans. We'll find out more after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. In Guatemala, indigenous groups of farmers are calling for the defeat of a proposed law they say would damage native seeds and the environment in that Central American country. Maria Martin reports. Outside the Guatemalan Congress, indigenous leaders called the proposed bill known as La Ley Monsanto disrespectful to Guatemala's indigenous peoples. Monsanto's law refers to the corporate agricultural giant whose opponents accuse of wanting to privatize the production and exchange of seeds of such traditional crops as corn and beans with the help of corrupt Guatemalan lawmakers. This, they say, disregards the will of indigenous Guatemalans, who several years ago mobilized to defeat a similar proposal. Now, indigenous leaders like Silvia Menchu of Santa Carina Palopo are calling on all Guatemalans to join Maya groups in opposing Monsanto's law to protect an ancestral legacy going back thousands of years. For National Native News, I'm Maria Martin. Maternal deaths across the country have more than doubled from 1999 to 2019, especially for Black and American Indian and Alaska Native mothers. Emma Vandenindy of the Mountain West News Bureau reports on the data. The overall number of maternal deaths rose from 505 to 1,210. That's according to a recent study in the Journal of the American Medical Association. Researchers looked at how many mothers died per 100,000 live births. Black and American Indian and Alaska Native mothers had the highest rates. The rate for black moms rose from about 27 to 55. The American Indian and Alaska Native rate rose from 14 to about 49. Tina Patara Lau works with the Indian Health Service. She says many factors play into these numbers, like a lack of hospitals in rural areas or increases in mental health problems. But there's another underlying cause. There's a long history of historical trauma, including um, elements of systemic racism that can often last generations. She says more doctors could build trust with patients by involving community members and cultural practices in the birthing process. For National Native News, I'm Emma Vandenindy. The Avera Research Institute has been awarded $58 million in grants to be distributed over a seven-year period. In particular, the healthcare network says these dollars will go towards research to benefit health of mothers and children in Native and rural communities. Both grants come from the National Institutes of Health, 
The first, totaling up to $47 million, is part of the Environmental Influences on Child Health Outcomes Research Network. And $11 million aims to reduce pregnancy-related inequities and will create the Maternal American Indian Rural Community Health Research Center. U.S. California Senator Alex Padilla, chair of the Environment and Public Works Subcommittee on Fisheries, Water, and Wildlife, will convene a hearing about tribal water issues on Wednesday in Washington, D.C. Tribal water experts are expected to testify on challenges, including a lack of access to infrastructure, deferred maintenance of existing infrastructure, inadequate water quality, and lack of funding. The hearing is also expected to discuss emerging contaminants, technical assistance concerns, and workforce development shortfalls. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Is your tank empty? There's another gas you should be worried about. Carbon monoxide can kill in minutes, but you can stay safe by placing CO alarms in your home. Support by the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. Ready to start, manage, or grow your small business? The U.S. Small Business Administration can help with advice and resources. See what SBA can do for you. Go to sba.gov start. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. Suicide is an urgent public health issue in the U.S. That's the conclusion of research this year by the Pew Research Center, which backs up a number of other studies. The suicide rate for American Indian and Alaska Native adults is up 139% since 1999, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. That same research finds that Native communities experience higher rates of suicide compared to all other racial and ethnic groups. September is Suicide Awareness Month, and today we'll talk with experts and hear personal stories that address the high rates of suicide among Native Americans. The number to join today's conversation is 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. As a warning, we will be talking about suicide on today's program. However, we are not able to give specific medical advice on the air and recommend you contact your medical provider if you have any medical-related questions. Also, there are resources to help those who are struggling, such as the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline, which can be reached by dialing or texting 988. Joining us now in our Albuquerque studio is Sean Griswold. He is the editor of Source New Mexico, and he is Laguna, Zuni, and Jemez Pueblos. Sean, thanks for coming in today. I appreciate you having me here. Thank you. Joining us from Minneapolis, Minnesota, is Dr. Anthony Stately. He is the executive officer and president of the Native American Community Clinic. He is Ojibwe and Oneida. Hello, Dr. Stately. Thanks for joining us. We'll go ahead and come back to Dr. Stately. In Norman, Oklahoma, we have Dr. Dolores Subia Bigfoot. She is the presidential professor who directs 
the Indian Country Child Trauma Center within the Center on Child Abuse and Neglect at the University of Oklahoma Health Sciences Center. She's a member of the Caddo Nation and is affiliated with the Northern Cheyenne Tribe where her children are members. Hi, Dr. Bigfoot. Great to have you on the show. Hello. Thank you for the invitation. And in Winnebago, Nebraska, we have Ray Daw. He is a behavioral health consultant, and he is Danae. Welcome, Ray. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, and uh, thank you for the opportunity also. You bet. Really, really uh, very much appreciative of all of your time today in this extremely important and timely topic. And with that, Sean, I'd like to start with you today. I know you recently wrote about your family's history with suicide in a commentary for Source New Mexico. What prompted you to share that personal information? Um, yes, yeah, so I was doing some research on some different medical topics, and, you know, September being Suicide Prevention Month ended up into some research on that part. Um, and, and, you know, just it always inspires and sparks, you know, the concepts and ideas about how suicide has affected my life. Um, anybody who reads the commentary, I, I focus in on my, um, my maternal grandparents, Paul Loretto and um, Gloria Cantina who um, unfortunately um, passed away uh, by suicide. Um, uh, Paul passed when my mother was in preschool, and um, Gloria, she passed when I was in preschool. And so it's, it's a long line of this being present in our lives. And so reading through some of the suicide prevention elements and understanding that I have this story that I've, or this story that's part of who I am as a person, um, felt like it was important to talk about. And being able to talk about it because of the comfort in where I am at as a person right now. I talk about in the article about, you know, conversations about um, suicide I've had with my mother since I was a child, wondering where my grandparents or where my grandfather was. And then when my grandmother died, wondering kind of what happened to her because, you know, she's just not there anymore. And, and questioning, you know, why my grandparents aren't here and, you know, eventually understanding and learning that it was suicide. We had these conversations in my teenage years um, once I understood and, and found out sort of what the circumstances were behind their deaths. And it explained so much to me in terms of family history with some of the other elements of depression, substance use, some of the things that even lead to suicide ideation, other suicide deaths or short lives that just happened so quickly. Um, and so I felt responsible to write it um, while also comfortable because of some of the personal health choices I make when it comes to therapy, when it comes to having these conversations I've had since I was a child, and um, was happy to share that. And, and it sparked a conversation to where we're here right now talking about it. And so um, really happy that we're here to discuss it. Yeah, and I really applaud you for, for opening up like, like this, because I think so often in our families and our communities, suicide, they're hushed up, right? People People don't want to talk about it, or they don't want to share it, or you know, I, I, I've experienced a lot of that in my family and we were always told to just, you know, just, oh, you know, that person was sick or that person, you know, had a heart attack or something. We were just told to lie in some cases rather than just tell the truth. So um, what's been the feedback so far? I mean, people who have read the article who maybe know you or, or know your family, how do they feel? Um, well, family first, you know, I, I, before I published this, I shared it with my mom. I shared it with a couple other fo close family members. To, one, get an idea about what they thought, if, if they wanted even this to be published, to be shared. Um, I, I wouldn't have done it if they didn't sign off and approve it because 
you know, this this affects more than just me. And so I, I needed family approval first off before we even published this piece. Um, and so the family is, you know, it's it's a thing that we know about. It's a thing that we, we do discuss more openly, a little bit more in an appropriate way. Um, and, and from outside of that perspective, it's been a pretty and one of the most um, responsive articles that I've written this year in terms of people sending me text messages, DMs in my social media accounts, um, emails, you know, even coming to me up in the street, people I see are asking me how I'm doing and sharing a lot of their own experiences, whether they're native or non-native, this conversation about suicide and how it impacts our family is something that is often a family secret and is and is not discussed, even if it is known. And so, you know, for I would say that the majority of people who, who shared with me that they've had a family member um, pass in this way, the majority of them say that it's it's something that they want to talk about more with, with their family and with their friends or with, you know, anybody really. And so to me, I believe it has really kind of opened up um, this idea of why it's important to have these conversations and why it's important to have these conversations towards healing. And Sean, is that ultimately what you want people to get most out of, out of this piece that you wrote, just to expand the dialogue in our communities about suicide? You know, I think that's essentially where I want this to go, um, you know, because what I saw growing up and before I was able to develop some of these uh, mechanisms that help me understand and process and, and even communicate my feelings in these spaces these things would come out, even with family members who didn't want to talk about it, who would, you know, say, no, we're not discussing that right now. It always comes out in some way. You know, we see other elements that lead to whether it's depression, whether it's substance use, whether it's uh, disassociation. And, and I'm glad you have more panelists here to talk more about sort of some of these things we can be aware of when we see with family. Um, you know, I learned about a lot of these situations talking with family members who were also going through some traumatic experience. But it took that experience to get them to finally release whatever that energy they held with inside of them. And for some of those people, they're, they're actually not around anymore as well. Not, and it's not necessarily suicide, but it's other elements that cut their life shorter than, you know, they should still be here. But because of whatever they were holding on and whatever that was that was causing them to feel this pain that started when, when some of them were, were babies, um, really could have, in my experience, because it's, it's worked for me in my personal experience, could have been relieved with just a discussion by seeking help, by sharing with family, by being honest, and, and also being honest as to why we're even in these positions and situations. Um, right. and, and so I think for me, yeah, for our communities, it's important that, that, that if it's appropriate, that we do have these conversations because it's always going to gnaw at you in some other way and cause potentially further issues while you're still alive. Sean, do you have children of your own now or other young relatives in your family that you talk to? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and what do you tell them now? I mean, because now this it's now your, your responsibility now, right, to introduce the next generation to this part of your family history. You know, it's very, um, I'm very fortunate that we are in a place that this concepts of mental health, the concepts of feeling, um, is, is something that we discuss, that we are open about, that we, that is encouraged even in schools. It's in PSAs, you know, the show Reservation Dogs is having this entire narrative around it right now. And you're seeing, and it's opening up. I really appreciate what Sterling Hargill is doing with that show because I think it is showing how you can have these conversations and then and, and not just be that, be, that's your entire identity. Um, so we're seeing it in mainstream media. We see it in, in more public service um, investments. 
We're seeing it in schools. And oftentimes, you know, they can have a more appropriate and lead moderate conversations among people better than I ever could. So we're growing in this path, I feel, with our younger generations, with my child's generation, with my nieces and nephews, with my younger cousins. It's the people that are older. It's my parents. It's their parents. It's their aunties, their uncles, the people that I, I think that were never encouraged to speak about these things that were told, hey, don't talk about it, hide it, shield it away, put it down that I feel we need to have that conversation more with because it ultimately is going to create that generational divide between a generation of younger people that are ready to have these conversations that are actively having these talks and even know some of the terms and languages around how to discuss sort of whether it's trauma healing or depression or whatever's happening around them that's causing some positive, you know, negative feelings. They're not going to be able to talk with, with their aunties, their uncles, their grandparents or their parents if those people aren't willing to have that conversation and it's going to cause further strain. Sean, really appreciate you getting the, the conversation started today here on Native America Calling. It is September, which is Suicide Awareness Month. And today on our show, we're talking with people who have uh, experience with the issue, also experts who can provide insights with regard to mental health. So anybody today listening, if you have a question, if you have a comment, or you just have some information that you'd like to share on our show today regarding suicide and its impact in our Native communities Give us a call. We'll put your comments on the air, 1-800-996-2848. And I also want to remind folks, if you need to reach out, if you need to talk to somebody, uh, if you are struggling with your own mental health, please reach out to the crisis line at 988. You can either call them or you can text them, 988. That's the number. Uh, Please stay with us, and we will be right back after this short break. The cultural concept of aloha is helping rebuild and heal after the devastating wildfires on Maui. Neighbors are helping neighbors, and there's an outpouring of financial and emotional support from all over the globe. We'll get an update on the situation since the fire and what challenges remain on the next Native America Calling. Support by AARP. Despite their service to our country, U.S. military vets, active duty service members, and their families are targeted by con artists significantly more than civilians and are 40% more likely to lose money than civilians. Vigilance is our number one weapon against fraud. You have the power to protect yourself. If an offer sounds too good to be true, it probably is. More at aarp.org slash vetsfraudnetwork. This is Native America Calling. We're talking about addressing high rates of suicide among Native American and Alaska Native people. We're hearing from experts about mental health concerns, as well as resources to address the needs of Native people and communities. If you have a comment or a question, join the conversation by calling 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-996-2848. Our next guest, Dr. Anthony Stately, he is the Executive Officer and President of the Native American Community Clinic. He's speaking with us from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Hello, Dr. Stately, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Thank you again for joining us. And uh, earlier we heard Sean Griswold talk about, uh, as a young person, 
learning about uh, the loss of his grandparents uh, from suicide. And it just begs the question, Dr. Stately, what's the best practice when talking with su- about suicide with patients and families and, and other people after one occurs? I think um, one really important thing is to sort of um, make sure that we're helping people sort of manage the um, the stigma and the shame of that. I think that's one of the, you know, I think one thing that almost always happens or often happens is that um, family members, loved ones of people who um, end their life by suicide often question, you know, themselves, um, what, what could I have I done differently? What, what should I have done differently? They take on the res- a sense of a deep sense of responsibility for not doing something more proactive, um, which I think is probably a normal sort of response in some ways, but also understanding that, you know, um, there are things that we can do to try to prevent suicide. Um, and um, and those things are really important to talk about. But being getting kind of stuck in that space where you're feeling responsible for it and you're feeling a sense of shame and a sense of despair um, can be really impact really impact you and, and your ability to sort of um, move along in the grieving process and to recognize that that's a normal pro- part of the process. I think um, is a really important thing. So sort of like giving voice to that and creating the space for them to explore that and talk about that and helping them to understand how how that response makes sense, but also helping them to unpack that and understand that um, there's, there's a whole series of events and traje- along the trajectory that leads one person, uh, a person to take their own life. Um, and while there are cues usually um, they're easy to miss as well. So you have to be, you know, you, we need to do a better job of helping people to understand that. Dr. Stately, you, you talk about the responsibility that some people feel after a, a loved one in, in the event of a suicide, that sense of guilt perhaps, but also uh, what I've seen from personal experience is also blame can go around, right? Finger pointing among families like, hey, weren't you paying closer attention? How could you let this happen? What was going on in that household? What about that side of the issue as well? Yeah, I mean, I think those um, that's really common. Um, I would just, you know, <clears throat> as part of the sort of the um, the thing I wanted to mention here is that like um, in, you know, the, the rate of suicide went up for Native people over the, the last five years between 2015 and 2020. And a lot of the um, evidence that sort of like was distilled from the analysis that the CDC did with the um, that's reported in the um, the mortality report uh, of um, almost a year ago from nine, um, um, September 16th of 2022. I think one of the things that they point to is that the the significant uh, contribution or the odds ratio that um, that some of the, the preceding events that take place for a lot of the, um, the American Indian people that they did have information on that had, that had passed away are relational problems, relationship problems between themselves and maybe their, maybe their partners, so intimate partner violence, conflict in the home, conflict in relationships, those kinds of things. Um, and then the other issue is like substance use. Um, a lot of the um, 
the the impact of um, alcohol use, right? The impairment that happens when we're not able to make good decisions in that moment in time. Um, so part of it is is like ha encouraging families like to ha to step back from that and really take an intentional sort of um, look at um, one's own sort of um, you know pattern of behavior or one's own decision making in that space. Like what what is it that I could have done differently instead of sort of trying to you know. I think it's the thing that I think has happened both in my own personal experience of uh, of of suicide and then also death in um my family is um you know death is challenging the the, the loss of a loved one um is really challenging to families and if the fam if families haven't taken care of and addressed some underlying problematics and conflicts between each other um and tried to make an active effort to resolve those things. Death um, brings up some of the worst behaviors in us when that ha when we haven't addressed those things. Mm -hmm. So encouraging people to sort of think about like, okay, what where was my mind at? Where was my attention at? And having people think about like, what could I have done differently, both in the way that I showed up in the relationship with this individual, and showed up in my family. And how willing right. was I able to talk about the conflicts that might have been blamed or the, the issues that are prevalent in our in our family? All right. Thank you, Anthony. I'm going to go ahead and take a caller now. Marcia is listening online in San Diego, California. Good morning, Marcia. Thanks for calling in. Hey, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, so I love the I love that things are actually getting talked about in the Native community about suicide and suicide awareness. Um, I lost my own mother when I was 15, and um, it, now I'm 32 years old. And talking about suicide within the family, it's really hard, especially um, usually after your year of mourning, you're not supposed to talk about those things. But losing your mom, it's hard, and not having the space to communicate those things, especially with your family, is difficult, and um, it's just hard. So... Um, on my part of resources, I, it kind of started me on my journey of um, mental ed education. So I went to college, got my degree in social work with the emphasis in mental health. And then I, I went to support groups after my, I lost my mom. Um, and then I went to therapy. Also, I went to family therapy. That really helped. My grandma was really advocate. Um, she was advocating for us a lot because she saw that, like, Suicide really hurt our family, but she, on her part, didn't know how to help with those things. And I was very grateful for my grandma to think about those things. And um, we're a long ways from home. We are from the MHA Nation in North Dakota. We're a Rickeron Mandan. Um, so here in San Diego, it was very hard to be away from family. Um, the reason I'm calling in is because uh, out here in San Diego, I work a lot with the urban natives out here. Um, and I, support, I started a support group for Native Americans that have lost people to suicide. Um, we okay. meet online on Zoom. So okay. we, talk, we talk about, um, I've had people come into the meeting that have recently lost somebody or somebody that is down the road and grief is hitting really hard during holidays. Um, we're just a, a peer support group. Um, I partnered up with a nonprofit down here, um, Survivors of Suicide Loss. Mm -hmm. And they actually let me start a support group for just specifically for Native Americans. So okay. I run that is, uh, every month. 
Okay, this is really good information, Marcia. Thanks for sharing it. Uh, and also, I'm so sorry uh, about the loss of your mother, but do you folks have a Facebook group or any type of social media information or anything where for our listeners can learn more? Yeah, so the main website of the nonprofit is Survivors of Suicide Loss of San Diego. Okay. Um, they share all the support groups that are on Zoom. So all the all the support groups are on Zoom. We're all peer educator, but everybody that facilitates those groups, they're all survivors and um, have all gone through trainings to support people. Um, right. For the native group, for the native group, um, since it is a small group, and I like to talk to them personally to get to see what kind of like information they need, you can email me at marciahunter90 at gmail. So M A R C I A Hunter at 90 at Gmail. But um, yeah, our support groups are free. They're online. They're all times okay. time during all right. the day. Okay, Marcia, thank you. Uh, I really appreciate this call. Good information from Marcia calling in from San Diego, California. Uh, Dr. Stately, back to you. Um, sounds like that's a, a great resource that we just heard from. And I know your clinic, uh, you know, you do work w- with patients and you address suicide. And I, I just want to ask, like, if somebody comes in, uh, comes to your clinic or reaches out or contacts you and they're struggling in a way that uh, suicide is an option for them. They're thinking about that. Uh, how do you approach that? What's the first step in, in terms of just dealing with that type of crisis? Well, I think the first thing that we do is we try to have a, um, uh, you know, we, we work really hard to build a relationship with them. Like if they're, they're walking in for the first time into the clinic and, you know, a lot of times, um, the first evidence of that might show up in like in, in a conversation that they're having, maybe like in in the medical clinic with the with the provider. So we've trained our providers and all their support staff to sort of screen and ask questions related to that. Ask them if they're safe at home. Ask them if they've been, you know, struggling with um, uh, symptoms of anxiety and depression. Ask them pointedly, like, have you been considering or thinking about self harm? Those kinds of things. And so if they act, if they if they endorse those items positively, then we sort of have uh, um, an integrated practitioner or some uh, another person who's skilled in sort of mental health assessment talk to them and make sure that they're um, you know they're doing a couple of different things. One is actually evaluating how actively um, they're thinking about that, where they are in their thinking process. Have they thought about how they might do that? Have they thought about a plan? Um, and um, the, the, the more sort of like completeness that they've had around that, of course, that becomes a more emergent and, and critical issue. Um, if um, we, we might refer them to a provider that day, we might take them to the hospital or move, move them to the ER, do something to keep them safe. Um, and if it's less urgent, it's like, um, you know, they've been considering and thinking about it for a long time, we might be um, moving them into a, uh, evaluating, I mean, providing them a referral to a therapist and getting them engaged in mental health services, um, or, or maybe refer them to a psychiatrist because they might need medication. They're dealing with like, um, you know, something like um, major depression or, you know, agitated um, uh, depression. Like sometimes depression in some people doesn't show up as like sadness. It shows up as like, you know, anxiety and a lot of, um, you know, um, uh, um, active behavior and movement, like an overexpression of of behavior and and activity. So part of that is doing a really good job of that and connecting people to services. And one of the things I wanted to say that I forgot to say when we were talking earlier 
like when people are in pain and have someone that they've lost in their family to suicide specifically and other kinds of forms of loss is like, you know, we're in pain and we're, you know, we're, we're struggling with that pain and that pain of loss. Um, it is really hard. It is really easy to sort of strike out and, uh, and, and direct some of that anger and that pain outward. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what drives some of that conflict in parent and families when when something of this nature happens. Like, what could? You, why didn't you help? Why didn't you do something? It's really about us feeling a sense of pain and powerlessness. It's less about actually feeling like somebody else is responsible for that. It's really okay. Um, you know, okay. Taking up that pain for ourselves. Right. Right. Yeah. Good information, Doctor Stately. And I also think it's just it, it's such a shock, softer. Right? People are just completely caught off guard, and it's like everybody's just kind of just overwhelmed. It's just, it's so immediate and it's just, it's so disruptive to just the entire family and community in some cases. So uh, Dr. Stately, again, thank you for joining us as well. Great information. I'd, I'd like to go ahead now and bring in Dr. Dolores Subia Bigfoot, who is with the Indian Country Child Trauma Center there at the University of Oklahoma Health Sciences Center. And Dr. Bigfoot, uh, listening to our caller, listening to our guests so far, uh, it's tough to talk about these issues sometimes, but these high rates of suicide among our Native people, it, it's not new. These issues have been have been going on for generations now, and why does it? Why does suicide continue to plague our communities, Dr. Bigfoot? I think that's a question that a lot of people ask over and over again, you know, why is this happening? Um, what is impacting our our communities? And you know, we have individuals typically who are alone. That the act of suicide itself is um, typically an individual act, but the factors that lead up to that are very systemic. And, um, you know, we can see that um, when people feel that powerlessness, that aloneness, that sorrow, that grief, that there's a lot of things contributing to that. I would like to back up a little bit. And, you know, we, as uh, tribal communities, we're communities um, that have a long history in, in various things, but there's been a long history of trauma in a variety of ways. And historically, um, you know, we have always had traumas. There's always been floods and tornadoes and earthquakes and, you know, conflicts and deaths. So it's not a new phenomenon. It's something that has occurred historically in our world. But the thing that we had in place was ceremony. So we use ceremony to prepare for hard things, and then we use ceremony in gratitude after we went through hard times. So, um, and I think uh, Ray Daw will might even talk about you know the um, ceremony that the Dene people have of of um, when warriors come back into the community. So. Um, there was ceremony in place that allowed us to have these conversations about things that had occurred in the past or things that that had impacted us. And um, there was 
ceremony, you know, growing up, um, I can remember people engaged in ceremony frequently. It was sometimes a daily thing, sometimes weekly. Um, so it, it, it was built into our society. Mm-hmm. And our tribal societies were societies of honor. We know that because we have honor songs, we have giveaways, we have namings, we have recognition, we have um, different ways that we have honor. And, um, and that was prevalent. I can remember my grandmother saying, you know, um, do this so that you can, you know, listen to me and uh, not shame me. So we, we had honor. And then when so much was taken away, then the shame became the pathway of adulthood, toward adulthood, rather than honor. And um, Dr. Bigfoot, we're going to have to take another break, but uh, the loss of ceremony uh, is, is something that you point to as, as one of the factors that, that weigh in on this issue of suicide in our Native communities. Folks, uh, one more break, and we'll continue the conversation. Did you know that there could be a silent killer inside your home? You may know it, carbon monoxide. It's a poisonous gas that can't be seen or smelled, yet it can kill a family in a matter of minutes. You can protect yours by installing carbon monoxide alarms throughout your home. Find more on the dangers of carbon monoxide and additional safety information at cpsc.gov. Support by the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. You're listening to Native America Calling. If you have a comment or a question for today's show, join us at 1-800-996-2848. We also want to remind you of the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. This is a first step for people who feel they are struggling emotionally and need to connect with someone. On the line now is Dr. Dolores Subia Bigfoot. She's with the University of Oklahoma Health Sciences Center and Dr. Bigfoot, uh, you stressed the importance of of ceremony and uh, of tradition in our Native communities and, and cited that as perhaps one reason why we continue to struggle with these high rates of suicide. And uh, what do you see are, are some good examples or some programs currently that are working in, in tribal communities to address suicide? What, what do you like so far? Well, there's a lot of things that are going on. And so, you know, yes, we have a very high rate of uh, suicide, suicide ideation, um, and a lot of that, like I said, is systemic. So we have a lot of people who are dealing with loss. We have a high rate of um, death due to a lot of social ills, and that contributes to that sense of loss. So as we think about what is um, impacting individuals, it's um, you know mental health crises. Uh, relationship breakups and um, loss due to death and other kinds of of, um, illnesses. So uh, what we want to do is target um, individuals that have those experiences. How do we do that? So we have a lot of programs. So uh, currently we have the 988 rollout, which is a crisis um, hotline. And there are about 23 tribal entities that have been awarded the opportunity to develop their local 988 uh, resource. 
And um, so through the Suicide Prevention Resource Center, which I am the senior advisor of, that um, is for the whole nation, not just for American Indians, but we do have an American Indian Alaska Native Initiative. Um, so we're working with the tribal grantees to help with the 988 and um, the um, Native and Strong Line out of Washington State is a really good example. I think the other examples are the efforts that are going on in uh, New Mexico. Um, you know, things like the other caller that have set up support networks um, and support groups to help with the peer peer support. There, um, the Suicide Prevention Resource Center is also um, supporting training technical assistance for um, tribal programs that are interested in increasing their uh, capacity with suicide interventions and suicide um, um, awareness. We right. also um, have, you know, our website, the Suicide Prevention Resource Center um, website that has a lot of information. But okay. I think the thing is, is that we work with a lot of um, organizations that are doing um, work in Indian country. And um, we have a tribal needs assessment that is going out in October to the tribes to uh, share with us what their needs are, but also what are their successes and um, to support those successes. Um, we have one tribe in uh, Oklahoma that have been doing suicide prevention and they have now suicide prevention curriculum in the schools and now the school public schools have institutionalized that uh, curriculum for 10th graders. So there's a lot of efforts that are um, happening and, um, and it's tribal efforts that are making a difference. Well, Dr. Bigfoot, thank you for sharing these resources, this information, and uh, really promising to know that some of these dialogues are taking place in the schools uh, and definitely addressing the mental health of our young people in our communities. And you talked about the 988 crisis line. So let's go ahead and bring our fourth guest into the conversation now, Ray Daw, who is a behavioral health consultant. And Ray, I know that you have done some consulting there with the 988 crisis hotline, and it's been about a year since it was launched. How has the rollout been since then? Uh, thank you for the opportunity to discuss this real important topic. The, the rollout has been very good in the state of New Mexico. Uh, we're fortunate to we live and work in a state uh, where 11% of the state's population is Native American uh, and, and have a state government that is strongly inclusive of tribal communities uh, as we begin to roll out uh, efforts like 988. Um, we have uh, been able to uh, put together an excellent team of core team of uh, people who, who we work with to develop and, and model ways of messaging uh, the 988 rollout in a way that is uh, helpful for our tribal communities, not only to the, the tribes in New Mexico, but also in the urban centers that many of our people live in. Uh, so it's been a really great effort to see. Uh, I think that all 
the tribal communities in New Mexico have had uh, strong exposure and, and information given to them on the purpose of 988, uh, ways to access uh, uh, the, the, the crisis line. But also, uh, uh, we have some really great partners in the state, uh, Native American organizations and advocates, who've really taken the lead at uh, uh, taking the products that we have uh, mm -hmm. uh, been able to develop and turn around and use them in different settings like Navajo Nation Fair, uh, powwows, uh, uh, youth events and cultural events across uh, uh, the tribal communities in, in, uh, in Mexico. Okay. More recently, uh, with the, through the Office of the State Attorney General and uh, the Human Services Department, we've begun another effort to apply not the 988 system to support our relatives who have been uh, taken, in many cases, from uh, Gallup, Farmington, and including Albuquerque to uh, Arizona, let's say, uh, under false pretenses. To, okay. uh, to get treatment. So we're using the 988 line as a way to offer support and also for, for people who who are affected by uh, being approached by someone who wants to take them somewhere else in a vehicle or something to report that suspicious activity. So okay. 988 as a system is really adaptable uh, right. like that, and we've been really happy to, uh, to, to use it. Ray, I have read that you know, there's just been a huge influx of calls over the last year. Just a lot more people are using the crisis line. And because of that, it has created some staffing challenges. And some of the hubs that, that manage these 988 call centers, they're not able to keep up with the call volume. Have you experienced or have you seen any staffing shortages that have negatively impacted Native communities using the 988 crisis line? Yeah. All, all Native communities have staffing shortages, uh, particularly with Native tribal staff. Uh, that is that is a common problem across Indian country. Uh, fortunately, we have uh, non-Native allies or, or tribal people who are not from the Native communities who step up and work at supporting our tribal uh, providers. Uh, and and that's, that's been the case for, for, for years now. On the other hand, I think there are uh, regions in the United States where I'm seeing uh, tribal communities step up and really work at bringing into the behavioral health system or the medical system uh, tribal members who can who have an interest in going through the educational system and getting degrees and bachelor's degrees or, or, or master's degrees or PhDs to be able to fill in some of the gaps. Uh, I know that today we have a rarely, very good uh, number of Native American psychologists in Indian country right now, and psychiatrists also, which is mm -hmm. didn't exist 20 years ago. Right. Uh, we have very few psychologists. Right. So we're seeing more people enter the discipline and working at uh, being providers the way uh, Steve very excellently described in the way Anthony uh, described from Minneapolis. We're seeing good changes, I think. Well, Ray, thank you for providing these insights uh, regarding the 988 crisis hotline and some of these other factors that, 
that weigh into the conversation. And, and Sean, I want to go back to you uh, as we kind of wrap up the show here the next few minutes. And I thought it was interesting. We heard from from Dr. Bigfoot, and she talked about you know the importance of tradition and the loss of ceremony. And what really strikes a chord with me is, um, you know, how suicide was dealt with in our communities traditionally. And I know that that there's one of the pueblos, and I'm not going to say which one, but one of the pueblos uh, really frowns on on suicide. And I know I, I know personally of a situation where. A tribal member took their own life, and uh, and they weren't they weren't buried with a marker. The tribe said that they we will not put a marker down for 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 this person because of the way they took their own life, and it really really struck a nerve with one of the family members who really struggled with that. And I am familiar with that story, and I, I've heard it before. And what do you think, Sean? When, you know, with regard to our communities and and how. You know, the dialogue is important here, obviously, amongst families, but even like when our, in our tribal traditions, sometimes there's there's a stigma there and there are people that frown and, and look down upon some of these issues. And and how do we need to move forward to address some of these longstanding traditions in our community that might weigh negatively on suicide as well? What's your thought? Um, yeah, that's a very important question and something that I think when having this conversation is important for all of us to understand that, you know, we don't all of our tribal communities are not going to have the same solution or the same approach to it, especially in those traditional spaces. For me personally, the loss of grandparents was a major gap in losing some of those traditions, those languages. You know, those are things that, that we continue to learn as adults that I see my mother and, you know, my, my aunts and my uncles, um, things that they were never taught about. You know, they, they became orphans in, in many ways. And what was important for them and, and initially this didn't quite happen, but, you know, the extended family, their aunts, their uncles, you know, became their mothers, their fathers, their grandparents. And it really took it upon them, those people to, to be involved and to take in these, the, the, these kids who didn't have a father and, and, and had a mother that, that, you know, that was gone by the time they were in their, you know, early 20s. So that's also part of that disconnect. And so for me, what's been important for all of that has been the support of extended family and showing us and teaching us, you know, some of those traditional things and elements that we have to learn about. Um, but when it comes to some of the stigma and, and all the other, um, you know, important parts of how some, you know, people in traditional societies may treat this conversation, that's a very important distinction to recognize that, you know, especially from where you are and where you're from, you may not be able to have that conversation there. But I think it's also imperative to understand, as we heard from the one caller, you know, in the urban setting, um, when you're in the urban setting, you're already disconnected from community. And so um, being able to have those connections in those spaces, you know, in powwow settings, you know, in, in more places where you're hearing traditional songs or you're just being around Native people and community, that's so empowering and can really be helpful to kind of figuring out how we heal in that traditional way. Right, right. Dr. Stately, back to you. Uh, any other issues, any other points we need to consider before we wrap up our show today with regard to suicide and its impact in our Native communities? Well, I think that one thing I just want to really encourage is like um, everyone to, you know, there's a lot of resources online. There's also um, in many uh, tribal communities and, and many of the urban communities as well. There are um, resources if there's not resources within your specific tribal community, there's probably resources um, 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 in your at your city, county, or state level. 
kind of reach out and try to um, apprise yourself of what those resources are. Um, I think schools, uh, suicide seems to be a really big problematic issue with our young people or young adults. And the pandemic sort of like really decimated healthcare, but it also really challenged our communities. Um, you know, we had a, a scale of loss um, over the last three years with respect to the impact of the pandemic. Um, the national sort of kind of uprising that happened after the murder of George Floyd, which happened here in my community, um, really created this sense of um, despair in a lot of um, um, adolescents. And that's, not, that's abundantly clear in our own communities, I think, with our young people. You know, having conversations intentionally with your young people and asking about how they're doing, asking them about how they're doing in social spaces like school, their experiences of discrimination and um, uh, and those kinds of things, the nature of their relationships with their peers, um, trying to have eyes on what they're doing when they're with their, when they're not with you, is important. And like creating the space um, in those relationships, whether it's with your children or with your loved ones, to know that it's a safe space to talk about the things, um, try to do more listening and less talking, so that they don't feel um, stigmatized. And if you have a concern, voice the concern. Say to your relative, I'm concerned about what I'm hearing. I'm concerned that you're thinking about harming yourself. I want to help you. Um, can we look for help together? And making sure that they understand that you value them, that you love them, and that, and, and that you would miss them if they weren't here. Um, and, and sometimes it takes intention to listen to that. And they're not going to come out and directly say, like I don't want to be here anymore, um, or something like that, is a sort of a, is a is a an often a veiled sort of like cry for help. Respond to that and ask them, what are you talking about? What do you mean? Do you feel like you want to hurt yourself? And that is opening the door for them to talk about how much pain they're in and that they might be thinking about taking their life. Well, I want to thank all of our guests who are on the show today: Sean Griswold, Doctor Anthony Stately. Dr. Dolores, Subia Bigfoot, and Ray Daw for sharing suicide awareness information and resources on our show today. Tune in to Native America Calling again tomorrow. We'll hear updates on the historic deadly fire in Maui. Hope you'll join us. And until then, please stay safe, stay well. Do you want to start, manage, or grow your small business? The U.S. Small Business Administration can help. SBA is one of the best allies. It's a great partner with financial tools, educational tools. They are really there to help you to be a better entrepreneur and a better business leader. For your small business needs, go to sba.gov start. All SBA programs and services are extended to the public on a non-discriminatory basis. Support provided by Amerind. Amerind is 100% tribally owned and partners with tribes and their businesses to provide affordable commercial insurance coverage, protect tribal sovereignty, and strengthen Native American communities by helping to keep dollars in Indian country. Information about property, liability, commercial auto, and workers' comp available at amerind.com. That's A-M-E-R-I-N-D.com.
Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Quantic Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.